Thanks for tuning in to the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. We're excited because for the next five weeks, you're going to hear messages from our Rise Crusade 2019 featuring Nikki Cruz and Gary Wilkerson. Thanks for listening in. Some people ask me, are they, uh, were you sad that your dad wasn't there when you were being born? And I always tell them, like, I, I don't remember whether he was there or not in the first place. And secondly, I was, I'm so glad that he wasn't there because he was somewhere where some people really needed to hear the word of God, needed to be born again, needed to have their lives transformed. And now, 60 years later, it's so exciting to see people like this singing here and uh, the testimonies of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it lives on. Uh, until Jesus comes, there's going to be the power of the testimony of Jesus Christ transforming lives. I have a friend with me, speaking of transforming lives. Jose, if you'd come. This is a dear friend of mine. Matter of fact, he's living with us for a short time in our home, uh, sharing the, the gospel together. And uh, uh, Jose, welcome. Let's welcome Jose. Uh, we're so thrilled to have you with us. Welcome, buddy. Uh, where, where are you from? I'm from New York City, Bronx, New York. City. New York. And there are no good baseball teams there, is that correct? No, there's the best baseball team there. Is it, is it the Dodgers, the San Francisco Giants? What's the... New York Yankees. New York Yankees. Okay, no booze allowed, no booze. Uh, um, and so you were born in the Bronx? Yes. Um, what kind of environment did you grow up in? Well, I grew up in a heavily infested drug environment in uh, the South Bronx. In the South Bronx. Um, uh, my parents were drug addicts. And um, I also, later on in the future, became a drug addict myself. Yeah, you, did uh, your parents have a, something to do with you getting involved in drugs? Um, not, not at first. I think uh, a lot of things I went through in life and uh, a lot of things I've done in life, uh, I was beating myself up inside and, and I was uh, running away through drugs. Yeah, you lost your parents when you were pretty young, right? Yes. Yeah. And how did that happen? What, what happened to your parents? Well, my, my father died of AIDS from drug use, from using intravenously. My mother had uh, hep C in her liver from intravenous drugs also. So you lost a lot as a young, young man. Yes, I Yeah, and that got you into drugs and... Uh, into the streets, into, you know, gangs. Into the streets, into gangs, into committing, you know, committing violent crimes, selling drugs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he's living in our house now. We have uh, uh, four children, and uh, now just as of two weeks ago, our seventh grandchild. And so our grandkids are around the house all, all the time. We're excited about that. Um, and Jose lives in our home. You, you know, there, obviously we have to understand and know that there's something that can change somebody's life, right? Yes, it is. And what changed your life? And Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed your life? That's right. Amen. Yeah. That's right. And... Uh, and we met Jose working for a ministry, uh, an organization that's helping drug addicts in our, our city of Colorado Springs. And uh, we're, we're so blessed with the work you're doing. So happy. Thank you. Thank Jose, you. I appreciate you coming mm-hmm. being with us. Should I just keep going on? I know you're gonna, you were going to introduce me. You want to introduce me? Or? Okay. All right. Thanks, brother. <laughs> um, Jose... How many of you grew up in a home sort of like Jose's? Could you just wave at me a little bit? You grew up in a home like Jose's a little bit or something like that where uh, maybe a, a parent or two were on drugs or a dad who left you or uh, 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 just a tough experience that you grew up in. Uh, how many of you struggled like Jose did? You, got, you found yourself on drugs one day or alcoholic, a lot of you here. Um, how many of you, on the other hand, grew up in a home like mine, a Christian home where, where yeah, all right, that's worth putting your hands together for. Uh, parent or two that loved Jesus, they, they took you to church, 
They, they, uh, uh, they, they taught you the word of God. That's the kind of environment I grew up in. My father, as you may already realize, was a, was a pastor and evangelist and the founder of Teen Challenge, wrote the cross the switchblade. Uh, his father was a pastor as well in, in uh, uh, Pennsylvania, and his father was a pastor as well, and his father was an evangelist before that, and his father, like I think five, six, seven generations back, all serving Jesus, all loving God, all living for him. But I want to tell you something so important here tonight. Whether you're from like a family like Jose's or some of you that raised your hands, or whether you're like a family from mine, we, all, we have several things in common that you may not know about. The first thing we have in common is that we're all sinners. All right? I don't, I don't care what kind of family you come from. My father used to teach me. He said, uh, you can go into a garage, Gary, but that won't make you a car. And, and you can go to a church that won't make you a Christian. And, and there are some here tonight that you came from a, real, a broken home and your life was torn apart at an early age and you feel like there was, there, for a season in your life that you were going, going through everything with hopelessness, but Jesus showed you the sin in your own life and transformed your life and set you free. But tonight there's a whole another group of people in this, uh, here in the stadium who, who maybe came from a good home and things went well for you and you were protected and provided for. But the truth is that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, just as much as the worst drug addict, just as much as Nicky Cruz when he was running the streets, just as much as Jose when he was gangbanging. Everybody needs Jesus. The, the first thing is that we are all sinners. The second thing is that, is that we all need Jesus. How many of you have heard of Noah's Ark? That's quite a segue, right? We need Jesus. How many know Noah's Ark? If you grew up in church like I did, you all heard the story of Noah's Ark. Even you go into some churches and they have pictures of the Ark, a Sunday school on the wall. There's this big boat and there's this pretty uh, water underneath the boat and there's giraffes on the boat and there's, and there's tigers on the boat and there's elephants on the boat and all the kids come in and see these pictures on the wall and they're so excited and happy about how beautiful this picture is. How many of you know that's not a beautiful picture? Because there might have been a few giraffes on the boat but there were thousands of giraffes drowning in the water. There might have been a few elephants on the boat but there were thousands of elephants drowning in the water. There might have been seven eight, nine people on the boat, but there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands drowning in the water. Genesis chapter 6 tells this story of Noah's Ark. And, and you may begin to think, well, you know, Noah's Ark happened because the people were so wicked. They were so vile. They were so messed up. They were so uh, just far from God that, that God had to destroy them. But if you read Genesis chapter 6, here's what I'm here to tell you tonight. The first thing it says about Genesis 6 is that God became disturbed because of them because, and here's what it says, listen, now this is going to sound a little strange in an evangelistic meeting like this, but what it says is that the, that the sons of God began to look at the daughters of man and saw that they were very attractive and took whichever one they wanted for their own wives, as many as they wanted for their own wives. That doesn't sound like it's worth flooding the whole earth for, does it? I mean, some guys sort of got a little lustful and started saying like, hey, that, that, that woman, she looks pretty hot, I'd like to take her as my wife. Why, why was it in Genesis 6? That's the start of the destruction, the, the wrath of God being poured out on the whole earth, the judgment of God being poured out on the earth started with this one thing. Now, we have to know a little bit of history to know this, there, that the sons of man, and, and the, excuse me, the sons of God in the Bible come from what the Bible describes as the, the line of Seth. There's a whole, what's called a genealogy, ten, 10 generations in the book of Genesis that speak about Seth. Seth was born, remember about Seth, Abel was killed by Cain, 
And then it says that Eve had another son and called, and he was a blessing from the Lord, and they called his name Seth. And Seth had, uh, was, was a follower of God, and then Seth had some sons and grandsons, and, and one of them was Enoch, and it says Enoch began, is at that time that man began to call on the name of the Lord. Sounds good, right? A pretty good lineage, almost like my family, like grandfather Dave Wilkerson, grandfather Seth, and now people are beginning to call on the name of the Lord. Then there was another one named Enoch, and it said he walked with God, not just calling on his name, but he walked with God. So this was called the sons of God. This, this lineage of Seth was called the sons of God. Now, there was another lineage called the sons of man and the daughters of man, and this was from the line of Cain. Do you remember the story of Cain? Cain got jealous because his brother was getting all the, the, all the credit and all the kudos, and God was kind of favoring him, and so he calls him into a, a field, and while he's not looking, he hits his brother over the head or something and takes his brother's life. He becomes a murderer, and he says he left the presence of God. It says that he was, so, he was being chased by other men. He, was, he became a target of other people, and so he was living this rough life, trying to build a city. He was called a wanderer and a fugitive, fugitive, and he begins to say to God, God, would you please help me? If, if somebody knows that I'm a murderer, they're going to try to murder me. So would you set, a, set like a seal over me so that if anybody were to take my life, then they're going to lose seven of their own family members. You would vengeance me. You would bring vengeance seven times. Now, from this line of Seth comes a, an even more difficult situation. He has sons, and, and they, they become wicked and more and more wicked, and they run from God, and he finally has a, another son, uh, uh, a few generations down called Lamech and Lamech he kills a young man just for doing something wrong and he says you know if 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 my great-grandfather if, if my father Cain had uh, vengeance seven times then I'm gonna have to have even more protection God would you avenge me 70 times so you see what I'm saying here is this that violence that hatred that prejudice that rebellion that hating of God it begins to perpetuate itself and it increases. First it's seven, then it's 70. Violence begets violence. Things begin worse and worse. Even Jesus predicted this, that in the end times, perilous times would come over the face of the earth. There'd be wars and rumors of wars and famines. It all started with Cain. It all started back before that even with, with Adam itself. And so Adam's line through Cain was called the sons of man or the daughters of man. Now in Genesis chapter 6, are you with me so far? I know you've had exciting songs and you've had some great uh, rallying up and now I'm just bringing the word of God to you. And in Genesis 6 in the word of God, it says that the, the sons of, of, of man, these are, the, excuse me, the sons of God, these are, these are Seth's children. These are the ones who were hearing from God, seeking God, praising God, worshiping God. All of a sudden, they begin to get attracted by the daughters of man. They begin to get attracted by the world. They begin to, to begin to compromise, saying, hey, hey, it's okay. Let's do like, kind of, you know, later on in history, Samson did this. He was, he was called to be a, a pure man of God, but he got hooked up with the wrong girls. And oftentimes in life, we get hooked up in the wrong places. We begin to move in the wrong places. We begin to associate in the wrong places. And when this happens, then it, the things around the world become hopeless, because there's no more remnant, there's no more purity, there's no more holiness. And so when, when people of God begin to live in the world, are you following me so far? When the people of God, the, the, the lineage of holy people, begin to compromise and begin to give up, then God says, wait a minute, we're going to have to clean this thing out. That's why the Bible says judgment begins at the house of the Lord. 
So in just a moment, you're about to hear from Nicky Cruz, and he'll tell you about, about the kind of the other side of the fence, the one I didn't grow up in. I, I did not have a Teen Challenge testimony by any means. One of my friends told me the worst thing I ever shot was not heroin, it was a basketball. And, and, and I remember being, being kind of embarrassed that I didn't have a good testimony. At least I didn't think I had a good testimony. I, and so what I did when I was about 15 years old is I made up my own Teen Challenge testimony. I picked the 10 worst sins I'd ever heard anybody give a testimony about, and I put them all in my testimony, and I remember trying to pass that off in church one day, but nobody believed me. But, 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 but here's what God is doing. He's saying, I'm going to, and, and this is not preached very often in churches anymore. This is not talked about hardly at all anymore. You see, we talk about God as just, we, we only talk about one attribute, one characteristic of God, that God is love. And God certainly is love. Nobody in this place would be saved today if it wasn't for the love of God. But God is not just a God of love. He's also a holy God. He's a holy and just God. And you know what, my friends? You want him to be holy and just. You want him to be true and pure. You want him to be without guile. You want him to have mercy and love and grace. But you want him to be truthful with you. And, he want, and you want him to drag you out of the, the, the line of Cain. And you want him to pull you out of a line of Seth that begins to compromise because we both need Jesus. Whether you come from a background like Nikki Cruz or a background like Gary uh, Wilkerson, we all in this place need Jesus to save us, the Bible says, to save us from the wrath to come, to save us from the judgment of God. And yes, I will say it, to save us from a word we don't want to use in the church very often anymore, but to save us from hell. You, you might be a gangbanger and you might have killed a hundred people, but I was a sinner just like you and I was headed to hell just like you. I was headed to an eternity that was godless because all of us are God rejectors. We're not naturally born. We are born in sin. We aren't born with an inclination towards God. We have to be transformed by that. We have to be transformed by the power and the renewing of our minds. And you and I, we want it that way. We want to, to, to have God intervene into our life. I, uh, I broke a tooth recently, and uh, it's one of this, it's back one back here, and I, and I looked at it and I thought, it's bad enough to have a little piece of tooth fall off in your mouth, you know what I mean? Like you're kind of, oh, what is that? It's, oh, it's half of my tooth. But what was worse, when I looked in the mirror, the part that's left is black. You know what that means? My, my tooth back here was rotted with a cavity so bad that my tooth is falling into half. It's breaking. You would probably suggest to me, if you're smart, that I go visit a dentist, but I'm not going. No, no I probably will. I, I, need, I need to go. But, but see, I, I, the kind of dentist you know, what, what kind of dentist I want to go to? I want to go to a dentist who looks at that tooth and says, don't worry about it. It's fine. I, I won't mess with it. I'm not going to pull it. I am a dentist of love. I am a love dentist. All I do, you come into my office, I'm just going to encourage you. You have beautiful teeth. You have spotless teeth. Your teeth are totally acceptable just as they are. How many of you know that's going to rot your mouth? You need a dentist that's going to tell you the truth. What have you been doing? Why haven't you seen me this last two decades? And, and we need to get it fixed. We need to get some things pulled. We need to get some things addressed. There are some things in our life. And that's what God does. And he does it even through his love, but it's also his wrath in the... In the in the flood, when he takes people who, who, you see, the flood did not just destroy, it only saved nine people and the animals. 
And there were some people, you know, we think, you know, you know what the flood destroyed? It, it destroyed murderers and destroyed rapists and destroyed child abusers. But you know what it also destroyed? Grandmas. It also destroyed young married couples. It also destroyed shopkeepers. It also destroyed farmers. You see, and why was it destroyed? You say, it sounds like you're talking about a very mean God. I thought he was a God of love. Yes, he is. But, but we need him to be a holy God as well. And, and, and so he destroys the earth. And the interesting thing is that there came a point when that flood started happening. And, and there might have been murderers that were getting, getting flooded. And there might have been rapists getting flooded. But there were some people that we might consider good. Nice people, kind people, thoughtful people, good people in the community. But being kind and nice and thoughtful doesn't get you into relationship with Jesus. You need Jesus to save you from your sin. I need Jesus to save me from my sin. Save us from the wrath of God. Save us from the judgment of God. And at that ark, I can just picture, I can just picture some people there that, that you know, the Bible says in, in, it's in 2 Peter chapter 5, if he did not, speaking of God, spare the ancient world when he brought the flood and it's on an ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness. God protected Noah from the flood. He was a preacher of righteousness. And it says here, he was a preacher. So what was Noah doing while he was building this boat? He was preaching righteousness. He was preaching repentance. He was preaching holiness. He was saying, yes, God is a God of love, but he's going to destroy this, this cankerous sore in your mouth. He's going to pull out the things that are causing this earth to decay and be, be demolished by sin. He's going to rip that from the world because of his justice and his holiness. And I picture people there, here's Noah, Noah's preaching righteousness, and people are saying, ha, the, you're talking about a flood, it doesn't even rain. You've got a boat, but it's not even by a lake. This thing's not going to work. But now I picture people waist deep in the water of floods coming down, and they're knocking on the door and saying, hey, wait a minute, Noah, now I believe. Now, now I understand. You, you were telling me the truth, so please let me in now, but it's too late. And that's why God still in this generation sends preachers of righteousness, not preachers, preachers of fluff, not feel-good preachers, not preachers who are, who are, who are just out there to try to, to make you feel good, even if your mouth might be filled with, with, with uh, things that need to be pulled out, but preachers who will preach the truth of God to you that we must repent from our sins, turn, or otherwise face the wrath of God. And those people are knocking and pounding on the door, but it's too late. And I'm here today to be a, hopefully a preacher, not of my own righteousness, but the righteousness that's found through Jesus Christ to preach to you that he's calling you to come to live a holy and righteous life before him, to give your whole, whole life to him. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, None is righteous. Nikki's not righteous. Jose, who you just heard from, is not righteous. Nor is Gary Wilkerson righteous. There is none that are righteous, no, not one, except when we hear the preaching of righteousness, that we turn our whole life over to Jesus and we allow him to do something for us we cannot do for ourselves because we're not righteous in ourselves. We don't understand in ourselves. We don't seek God in ourselves. We turn aside, Romans tells us, and no one does good, not even one. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Gary, a lot of people do good, but not from the motives and the intentions of their heart. They, they do things with ulterior motives. They do things to be seen of man. They, but the Bible's saying that in ourselves, without Jesus, none of us are doing good deeds. We're not doing good things. We're doing it for merit, doing it for ourselves. It goes on to say in verse 23, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Listen to this next line. For there is no distinction. 
There's no distinction. Good person, seemingly wicked person. Church person, street person. There's no distinction. We're the same. In God's eyes, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Pastors, preachers, pimps, or prostitutes, all of us need Jesus. All of us needs, need miracles. There is no distinction. And I'll close with this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. You, therefore, were dead in your trespasses and sin. Who is dead? You and me. Good, so-called good person, church person, and street person. We were all dead in our sin. Now, there's this false story you throw out in the church oftentimes. You hear this thing, like you were sinking deep in your sin, and, and somebody came by in a boat and threw out a lifeline. And you grabbed that lifeline, and you were saved. You were rescued by this lifeline and pulled into the boat. That's not what Ephesians says. Ephesians says you were dead in your sin. You weren't just drowning. You weren't like coughing up a little bit of water saying, I'm not sure I can swim much longer. The Bible tells us that we were dead. You and I were dead in our sins and our trespasses in which you once walked following the course of this world. That's what was happening in the book of Genesis in the sixth chapter. The people, even, the, even the, the church people, so to speak, started following the ways of the world, the ways of Cain. And it became that you were following the, the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work in the sons of disobedience, the sons of Cain, the sons of this world among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out desires of the body and the mind. Uh, and you were by nature, what were you? It says you were by nature children of wrath. That, that's how we were born. In other words, we were children with cavities, and we need to be fixed. We need a transformation. Children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And the next two words of Ephesians chapter 2 is found in verse 4. And I believe they are some of the most powerful words you'll ever hear in your life. You were dead in your sin. You weren't just drowning. You were dead. You were outside of the ark. There was no rescue for you. You were hearing preaching of righteousness, but you were rejecting it. You might have been rejecting it in a religious situation. You might have been rejecting it on the streets. But you were rejecting it. But something happened. And here's the next two words. But God. Isn't those powerful words? You were in your debt. You were dead. But God. In the trespasses, but God. In caught in your sin, but God. Sons of disobedience, but God. But God, but God. God did something in your life. God did something in my life. I needed him. You needed him. We need him. And that's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The power of the gospel says this, but God, being rich in his mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved through faith. What, what I'm preaching you tonight is not fluff, it's not hype, it's not, uh, uh, it's not even popular. It's simply a message called the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ found in the word of God. And I'm here today. Later on tonight, you'll be given an opportunity, an offer, to hear the preaching of righteousness once again. And whether you come from the streets in the background or whether you come from a, might be considered a good home, Everyone in this room is going to, in this, in this uh, field is going to be given an opportunity tonight to say, I'm dead in my sin. And without the power of the gospel, I'm going to be outside of this ark. You see, you know who the ark is now? Jesus is the ark. He's the ark. And, and we are preachers of righteousness. We're calling you to come into that ark before it's too late. How many of you know Jesus is coming again? And he's, 
And he's just delaying a little bit longer because he wants more to come into the ark. And Jesus is that ark of rescue. Jesus is that but God. But God brought an ark for you. He brought an ark for me. He said you can come in and be saved from sin and the world and death. And I thank God that he saved me from death. I thank God that he saved my wife from death. I thank God he saved Nikki Cruz from death and my friends from death. I thank God he saved my, my sons and daughters from, from death. And now they're in the ark living for Jesus. And there's nothing better than that, is there? All right. How many of you... How many of you grew up on the streets from a broken home? Let me see your hand one more time. How many of you know that you have your hands raised now that you need Jesus? Amen. How many of you grew up in what you might consider a good home, a healthy home? Raise your hand, would you? How many of you know just as much that you need Jesus? Amen. Let's all raise our hands and just say it together. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys, for letting me be here today. It's wonderful. Look forward to being with you tomorrow morning as well at the fairgrounds. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Listen in every Tuesday for a new podcast from Teen Challenge of Southern California. You can also find us on the web at teenchallenge.org.